Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio, where each week we talk to creative Mississippians from all over the state. I'm your host, Leslie Barker, Arts-Based Community Development Director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with one of this year's Performing Arts Fellowship recipients, Treya Dion Brown. She is a professionally trained film stage and voiceover actor. She's also a writer and I'm very excited to have her here today. So welcome Treya. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And I just want to say, you know, before we jump in, if, if people are not, you know, familiar with what the fellowship program is at MAC, it, it really is our most competitive grant. <laughs> so it is, it is uh, a huge, you know, accomplishment to be chosen as, as one of those recipients. It is our most uh, kind of sought after, like, it is our individual artist grant for um it's merit, completely merit-based. So our panel uh, very much respected and loved your work and, and you are our acting uh, film actor and stage actor recipient performer for this year. Uh, so congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Thank yeah. you. And so we're gonna go to the beginning of your story because you know, uh, you are a storyteller, obviously, because <laughs> as an actor. Uh, so tell us where your story began. Yeah, so I am from Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And when it comes to acting and performance, I would honestly say that it started in my bedroom with my mm -hmm. older sister. Uh, we would watch movies and we would create dances and I am not a dancer. I, I don't have much rhythm. So it didn't take much long. It didn't take long for me to realize that uh, dancing was not for me, but then we would start acting out these scenes. And then I got, gosh, I feel so old in comparison to this younger generation, but <laughs> we would have um, our radio and the radio would come with the CDO player and a cassette player. And so my mom would buy us uh cassettes uh, blank cassettes and we would like record songs and um things on that and also church mm -hmm. honestly easter sunday we would have to recite these long poems or we would have to do you know the birth of jesus uh at christmas and things like that so yeah it started home it started at church oh that's wonderful i was looking at your website and it mentioned your grandmother's living room what was the what was the significance of that in your life? My grandmother's living room is a place that I still go to today. Honestly, I, I'm living with my grandmother right now as she's in you know her older years, and the time that we're spending together is just so important because I would watch her you know tell these amazing stories, and I'd be visualizing every moment and my grandmother, I realize, is a master storyteller. Mm. 
and the way that she can capture a room not only with her you know large presence because we are large women in my family but also you know with her smile and the amazing stories that she tells and you know that passed down to my mom and to my siblings and I and we it, it's crazy because you know you hear these same stories years later mm-hmm. and it still hits the same the joke is always there you know it's coming but at times it's being told differently and the way that they can read a room mm. is is so important and i didn't really realize that until i moved back home last year mm. because of the pandemic and yeah my grandmother's living room is it's a safe haven it's a safe space and it's where we as a family just came together just to tell these stories does your grandmother consider herself a storyteller or a performer or is it just such a part of her being? <laughs> My grandmother knows what she's doing, but she'll never admit to it. <laughs> she'll never admit to it. But every time I show her, uh, you know, some of my work, she's always so proud. And she, you know, always says, you know where you get it from. And I'm like, I do. I do. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, she definitely wonderful. knows she's aware. Yeah. So it's, it's like her living room was, was a stage and a safe haven and all of these in a gathering place. That's, I I love that. And I I mean, I'm a little partial, but I do think we as Mississippians uh, do have the best storytellers in our state. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Tell tell me about that a little bit. Like, have you, did, did you mentioned realizing it when you left and came back, like, how is it different here than other places as far as storytellers go? You know, I, okay, so I went to um, Academy of Art University in San Francisco, California for uh, my master's in acting. And, you know, the first day of class when everyone's introducing themselves and I'm like, oh, I'm from, you know, I'm from Cali or I'm from New York, or I'm from Chicago, all these amazing places. And it's, you know, I'm not taking away from the things that they have, but when I, you know, tell someone that I'm from Mississippi and they're like, Mississippi, really? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, Mississippi has, and I will say this, and it is a hill that I will die on. Mississippi has the most talented people I've ever met. Mm. Um, just natural talent, just oozing out of our pores, honestly. Mm-hmm. And what's different is <sighs> so many things, but I would have to say that the biggest difference when it comes to it is there's Mississippi is a place that not only is, you know, the land beautiful, the places that you can go and visit, it's the people. Mm-hmm. And so when I think of Mississippi, I think of family, I think of home, I think of stories, I think of, you know, parties, I think of church, I think of so many things, but it's the people, honestly, it's the people that make you want to say it's the experiences that you have with the people. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any um, particular, like, favorite Mississippi artist in any, any genre? Favorite Mississippi artist? Wow. I mean, even if it was like a classmate, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, just to speak to that talent you're talking about. Yeah. So many people. Um, when I think of Mississippi, I think of Leontine Price. Mm. 
I think of Mississippi, I think of one of my really good friends, um, Reggie Chapman. He's actually mm-hmm. um, the assistant speech and debate coach at Hattiesburg High School. Mm-hmm. And um, he was a mentor to me. And then we also attended William Carey University together for undergrad and we performed together. And he is a singer mm-hmm. and really a singer. <laughs> a singer and a singer is completely different. He's a uh-huh. And his voice, he can just do so many things. And the gift that he has is just unmatched. Like it's it's a it's a once in a lifetime voice, mm-hmm. once in a lifetime talent. So honestly, I have to say my friend Reggie Chapman. Yeah. We'll have to make sure Reggie hears this interview for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> for absolutely. Sure. Shout out to Reggie. Uh, did you go to Hattiesburg High and did you perform? Yes, I attended Hattiesburg High um, graduate class of 2013. Um, very proud of that. I was on the speech and debate team for three years, starting my sophomore year. And it is honestly where I solidified that performance will have to be a part of my life. You know, yeah. I, um, I've worked with so many actors who you know I, I mentioned to you when we were you know not recording I, I'm my background's in theater as well and I've worked with so many actors who really got their start in speech and debate who are just yeah. you know so incredibly well spoken have such a grasp of language and and how to um uh, share like how to how to express through language so how did that how did that influence you um, I think that before my sophomore year in high school, I was trying to find my place in the world of performance and I couldn't really find it. And even though I started my sophomore year in speech and debate, I was a novice, you know, I was new to the game and I was really sitting back and learning while trying to, you know, live up to a certain standard and then Eventually, my coach, uh, Mr. Scott Waldrop, eventually told me, like, you can't do what everyone else is doing because it's not meant for you. That's not your story. It's not mm. what's not for you is not for you. And so he basically um, used the instrument that I have and basically owned it in a way where it has led me today, honestly. And even more importantly, um, you know, Mr. Waldrop is not a black man and at the time and still today Hattiesburg High School is a predominantly black school mm. and it was extremely important to him that he made sure that I had literature that I could relate to and mm. literature that I could um, learn from and things like that. So I performed um, for Colored Girls my senior year, my junior year I performed um, the Colored Museum and you know a lot of other literature from uh, black writers and it was extremely important that he surrounded us with black coaches as well because as i I just remember going to my first tournament and i was just so nervous Mm. but just knowing that i had someone who had once been in my shoes as a competitor Mm. um, from a smaller school. The team wasn't as big. 
it, it, it just made me feel like, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. If this is my coach and this is the person that I look up to and they're surrounding me with other people who've been in the same situation, then it, I, I must be going in the right direction. And so it was really important that um, not only did he surround us with, you know, other black coaches and literature from, you know, women of color, not just black women, but, you know, women of color and something that we can take away from the performance, not just, you know, for the hell of it, just for an award. Like that's that awards were never important. It was the message that was giving is anyone, you know, leaving the room from what we have performed, you know? Mm. So I think that has a lot to do with it. That's, that's the difference right there. There's Mm -hmm. things that make an impact with people. Yeah. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Leslie Barker, and today I'm talking with actor Treya Dion Brown, who grew up in Hattiesburg. And, and and you mentioned earlier that you went to William Carey College, which is also where I went. So I'm very excited <laughs> to talk to you about this. And I also study theater. So mm-hmm. uh, and I, you know, it's such a it's such a small school, but it is such a special place to study theater. I mean, it's mm-hmm. truly extraordinary. So I, you know, as as someone who was there several years before you, I would love to hear about your experience there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, while I was at William Carey University, I actually majored in speech communication mm-hmm. and I minored in theater. And so I was always around the theater students. <laughs> and my freshman year, I wasn't really as involved in theater as I would like to have been. I was very focused on speech and debate that year. And I was very successful in speech and debate that year as well. Um, But then eventually, you know, once you reach a certain peak, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I've done this. I need a new challenge. Okay. And so we ended up, I, I believe my, the end of my freshman year, Tim Matheny, who mm-hmm. was uh, the theater director? I think he was. I think he went to Mississippi State, I believe. And so we ended up getting a new director of theater, uh, Keone Fuquay. And um, that's when I really started to get more involved in theater. When when Keone was over it, um, and I think I needed a little bit of you know pushing. So my friends were my friends got more involved at the same time I did. And so mm. that's where it really took off. And then I started having conversations with Mr. Quave, Mr. Oprah Quave, mm. and then um, Dewey Douglas as well. Yeah. Just incredible people that I love. Yes. So, so good to, yes. we'll have to make sure they listen as well. <laughs> yes. is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at five. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app. contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think "Eh, maybe i'll try it myself some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it if you want to find out how to do those things listen to fix it 101 podcast everywhere this is an mpb think radio podcast
listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker talking with one of the Mississippi Arts Commission's most recent fellowship recipients, Treya Dion Brown. So Treya is an actor and she's a she acts for film and stage and does voiceover work. So Treya, I would love to hear what were what are some of your favorite roles you've ever played? Let's start with stage. What's some of your favorite stage roles you've ever played? Oh gosh, my favorite stage role. <sighs> wow, that's a good question. <laughs> probably, probably Mama and a Raisin in the Sun. Even though I know, <laughs> at you know, obviously I did this in college because I I don't meet the age requirement to play her. <laughs> um, but funny thing is my junior year of high school i also played mama in a raisin the sun and then my senior year of undergrad i played mama in a raisin in the sun and my gosh the the things i did not understand in high school and the things that i understood in college it, it was it was like i was approaching this script for the very first time and never read it mm. um and just being able to to sit down and have conversations with, you know, older black women was mm. extremely important to me. And it was specifically about this script because my family is a family that loves the arts. They love plays and they love movies and things like that. And their friends do as well. And I'll never forget having a conversation with my aunt and um, a few of her friends about Raisin in the Sun and just the stories that they could tell, like, and the, the, the thing, the experiences that they had that were similar to the experiences that the family had in A Raisin in the Sun were just incredibly important to how I approached the character. Mm -hmm. And um, just the way that I would I would move my body was completely different too. I don't know. It's just something about high, uh, something about when you get to college and you, your body just changes immediately. Like I can't mm -hmm. get up for an eight a.m. class anymore um, without being extremely tired. Yet alone being able to run like I did in high school. I know it sounds crazy because it's like it's only it's only a year's difference, <laughs> but. <laughs> But just being, just learning how to use my body differently was more important because in high school, I didn't really understand it. Um, but in college, I somehow did with, through the lens of other women. Oh, that's incredible. And how, tell, tell us a little bit about your process. Uh, is it, is it all about observing? Is it about like, like interviewing or just conversation? Like, how do you, how did you approach these women as you were about to play this role again in college? Yeah, it was a little bit of all of it. Um, I learned best through experiences of other people mm. and, and asking the hard questions, asking, um, you know, things that, that might be off limits um, because 
it's important that I know the backstory of the character. It's important that I know the moment before, that I know the moment after, that I'm present in the moment and how I can be that. Mm. So it was a little bit of all of that. Mm, I love that. And, you know, you were talking about how you played it in high school and then you played it in college. And would you want to play it again one day and see how? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Especially now that I'm an adult and I myself have had some financial decisions that may not have been the best (laughs) and things like that. Absolutely. Hmm. So we've talked a lot about, about being on stage. So then in your career, you venture into film. Um, How did that happen? It happened in grad school. Um, Film, so I attended Academy of Art University because um, it's one of the few schools where I can do theater. So it's it's one of the few schools I can do stage, film, and voice. Mm that I had come across and I was really interested in that. And I didn't really understand how they would be able to apply all of it, but it's the first day we dived into everything. Mm. Yeah. And so film was, film was never my thing. I I never thought (laughs) that it would become my thing. Um, but it definitely has, and I've enjoyed myself with that. Yeah. You know, I know the process is so, so different for an actor for stage and film. What's that like for you? What are those differences like for you? The difference is, (laughs) the difference, the biggest difference really comes in the amount of people. Mm. Whereas like for Theater, you know, you'll have your actors, director, assistant director, um, stage manager, um, you know, just everyone who is there is important to their job. And it's not to say that they're not for, for film either, but there's less people there. Mm. And the it, it's easier for me to, at times, remain focused on the actors and the mm. story. As opposed to film, I have to prep myself completely different for film because at, I may be the only person on set acting, but then there might be 20 other people on set. And so let's just say if I have a, a scene in the bathroom, it's like the lighting guy, the sound guy, the cameraman, you know, but all you see is me in the bathroom in the scene, but it's not really just me in the bathroom. So my prep is different. Yeah. That's so interesting. I like all of my experiences is pretty much stage work other than, you know, lending a hand of film friends with film projects years and years ago. But, you know, I think about when I think about the difference, one of the first things I think about is the presence of the audience. Right. So when you're on stage, I'm, of course, you were talking about process, you know, so when you're when you're rehearsing for theater, it is a very small group of people. Um, but then in the the film process, you've got all of these, these people, you know, just to film you in the bathroom, like you said, but it's so interesting because while there is the absence of an, a so-called audience, you have an audience of all these You have an audience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it, 
is it very different, you know, because I know like in, in theater, the way that we, when you perform, it's linear, right? It's like start to finish story. And I, I know that's not always the case in film, right? Like it's mm-hmm. sometimes it might be completely out of order, the scene that you're um, recording. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, in theater, it's start to finish, boom, bam. Mm-hmm. Whereas opposed to in film, um, you may start in the middle of the script, <laughs> um, depending on the time of day um, and, 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 and in other aspects. Um, but I, you know, I would always say that like, it, it's easier for me to just, you know, go start to finish because that's just who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to um, being prepared for rehearsal or the performance, um, I would say it's easier for me with theater simply because we have time to actually rehearse it Mm. as opposed to with film. um, You know, you know, your lines, you know, you'll do a reading here and there just to make sure that everything's together and that, you know, your lines and you know, your space and things like that. But it is, such a short amount of time in comparison to what you do in theater. Mm. And so, like I said, the the preparation is different because I will know my script in theater front to back, back to front, as opposed to with film, not only do I have to know it, you know, front to back, back to front, middle to front, middle to back, Mm. you know, I have to know this scene, where it starts specifically, where am I in this scene and things like that, simply because of how it might need to be filmed. Mm. Yeah, that's, it's a lot of different directions to be able to come from as an actor and pick up in a story. Um, It's like acrobatics, you know. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Um, So let's, you know, we, we haven't touched on voice voiceover work yet so mm-hmm. um tell us, tell us about your voiceover work yeah so most of my voiceover work has actually been for um theater announcements at one point I was the voicemail for William Carey University um oh. yes I'm actually <laughs> really proud of that that's awesome <laughs> yes um and I've also done some announcements for um, Academy of Art University. I was I did voiceover work for the San Francisco Fire Department mm. and things like that. And so I'm making my way into animated shows and things like that. Now I, I have one of my friends who approached me about being one of the voices for his characters, and I'm really excited about that. And I'm really hoping that we'll be able to get the funding for that. So yeah. Like an original animated piece? Yes, an original animated piece. Oh, that's exciting. Yes. So you told us about A Raisin in the Sun being your favorite your favorite role um, that you played on stage. What about film? Do you have a favorite film part that you've played? Favorite film part that I've played? Honestly, I wrote a scene with one of my classmates, Mario Mazzetti, um, who's an incredible actor as well uh, in grad school. And it was a scene of given circumstances. So our professor gave us um, certain lines that we had to say 
in the script that we wrote and we wrote around it. And so we created this bizarre story of uh, me, a girl from Arkansas Mm-hmm. was visiting one of my uh, uh, gay best, was visiting my, was visiting my gay best friend from Chicago in San Francisco mm-hmm. um, to help him uh, move um, certain things around the apartment. And I ended up killing his roommate's ferret when I was oh, moving <laughs> a box of books. <laughs> so um, we somehow created this story and then somehow it went on into me um, not paying a traffic ticket. And so I had to help clean up um, trash on the side of the highway. And, <laughs> and he ended up having to uh, admit to, what was it? He ended up having to admit to sniffing boxers from, um, <laughs> no, yeah, sniffing boxers from um, the locker rooms at at the gym or something like that. So I think that's probably, that's when I actually started writing. Oh, okay. We're definitely going to be talking scene. about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's when I actually started writing. So I think that's probably my favorite film moment thus far. That's cool. Because yeah. it's not only a performance moment, but a, a writing moment, a total yes. total creation moment. Yes. Um, that's really cool. You know, um, we are definitely going to talk a lot about your writing, but I also want to like touch on this a bit because you went to school in San Francisco for grad school. Is that right? Yes. So you've been in San Francisco, grew up in Hattiesburg, and I know you've been in LA, you've been in Atlanta. So what is it like as an actor to, to exist and create art in those different places? Like how are they, how are they different for an artist? The motivation behind the writing for me is completely Mm -hmm. different Um, because I'm in a different space. I'm surrounded with different people. Usually when I'm out of town, I like to stay with my friends that I consider my family. So I'll call them my cousins Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we're just that close and they just give a different vibe, honestly. And I'm able to go to different places and, and, gain you know motivation and have these experiences with them that i can you know write about later i've noticed that a lot of my writing is based off of um my personal experiences obviously fabricated but Mm. (laughs) nonetheless that's where it starts and i know that when i'm out of town i love to go to parks and i love to go places where I can meet people, which is obviously kind of halted because of the pandemic. Mm. Um, but more recently, you know, they have, you know, vaccinated places that you can mm. go and, you know, be around people and, you know, do the things that I that I love to do when I'm out of town. And so the motivation behind the writing is different. And also um, the motivation for auditioning is different as well. Like here in Atlanta, it's like Hattiesburg. You know, I can drive wherever I want to go. LA, kind of sort of, because LA is really spread out. But you can also take the bus, you know, Mm. Um, or take the train or things like that. In New York, take the train, (laughs) take the train or walk, Mm. you know. So those things are different. How I prepare myself is different because I can probably take, you know, a 45-minute walk in New York to my audition and that'll give me time to, to, 
say my lines as I'm walking to the audition to make sure that I have them down, you know, mm -hmm. or I'm listening to a recording of myself or I'm listening to music that I think the character would listen to and things like that. Um, and I can do that, you know, in a car in Atlanta, I can do that in a car in Hattiesburg, I can do it in a car in LA or, you know, the bus in LA and things like that. But it, it would take me, you know, maybe an hour and a half to get to an audition in New York or a meeting in New York, mm -hmm. probably take me, you know, 40 minutes, depending on where I'm coming from in Atlanta, probably take me, you know, the same amount of time in LA as it does in Atlanta. It might take me 10 minutes in Hattiesburg, you mm -hmm. know, so. Yeah, I didn't even think about New York. You really have hit all the, the <laughs> you know, kind of the, the, the hot spots for sure. is Leslie Barker. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show airs on MPB Think Radio every Sunday afternoon at five. To access all of our past shows, subscribe to the Mississippi Arts Hour podcast using your favorite podcasting app. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour on MPB Think Radio. I'm Leslie Barker, and today I'm talking with actor and writer Treya Dion Brown. So Treya, uh, I, I would love to hear about Treya as a writer. Um, how, how did that happen, and what do you love about writing? Yeah, so Treya as a writer is Treya as a dreamer. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm a Pis I'm a Pisces, so I dream <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and um, I'm I'm kind of weird. What my friends my friends call me kind of weird because I remember my dreams mm. and I remember them in vivid detail. And so my best friend, Brianna Exum, who actually encouraged me to start writing, um, you know, basically just told me, write them down. You know, you won't always remember them. So write them down while you can. And honestly, that's where it kind of took off after I wrote that uh, ferret scene in, mm. in grad school. Um, so yeah, so I write about a lot of my experiences. I write about the things that I desire for myself. Or write about the things that um, I've experienced. And a lot of my writing, at least more recently, has been just the, 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 the life that I envision for myself, honestly. And that's kind of what my one woman show that I'm producing with the fellowship um, will be about. Okay, well, I'm very excited about this. So let's dive right in and tell us about this. Tell us as much as you can without giving too much away about your one yeah. woman show. So my one woman show will be tackling 
my experiences and relationships that I have had with men in my dating life. Mm. Um, so that's the overarching thing right there. And um, it's going to be mixed media. Um, yeah, so I'm using all of my resources. <laughs> all all of my resources. I mean, if, if anyone has ever told me, if you need anything, I've got you. <laughs> I'm using that for this, okay? Um, I'm a big believer so, in doing that. Call in yes. the favors. Uh, yes, absolutely. If, you, if I've done something for you and you said you would do something for me, I'm going to take you up on that offer, period. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's kind of what's happening with that now. So that's how collaboration happens. And that's so cool. Absolutely. So in, in this one woman show, not to make you give too much away, like I said, but do you play multiple characters? How, how what, what are you thinking? Yeah, so in this one woman show, I do not play one woman character, play more than, uh, <laughs> more than one character. I play <laughs> myself. And um, I can see this, that I'm actually, even though my name is only five letters, <laughs> my close friends and family either call me Trey Trey or Trey. And mm-hmm. so I'm actually going to be using the name Trey because it just makes, when I, when I see that name on uh, you know, the page on my laptop, it automatically makes me think of home and warmth and it's a place where I can be vulnerable in my writing and, and I know I would do that in my performance as well. Mm. So, yeah. You know, talking about home and that place, um, I just, I've loved hearing about how home was such a nurturing place for your art. Um, because that's just such a, that's just such a beautiful thing for an artist. And it's such a, it sounds very full circle. Like, mm-hmm. you know, with you starting in your bedroom, starting in your grandmother's uh, living room, and then, you know, kind of kind of re-referencing referencing home in this writing that you're doing, would you say, you know, all of those people that influenced you so early and your family and the storytelling, did those people and any of those stories find their way onto the page as you're writing? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And even if they, even if a character is not created, um, specifically with them in mind, they are in some way a part of one of the characters that is in that story, Mm. for sure, 100%. So, um, for example, in a previous show that I had written, um, I talk about um, my mother's strength Mm. um, in one of her uh, past relationships. And um, that seemed to resonate with a lot of people my age when they got to see my performance of it. So I know that I had done something right by by making sure that that was a huge um, aspect of that character. Mm. So as a performer, and I guess, you know, just as a as a human, um, when you're performing a character that you wrote in comparison to a character that someone else wrote and that you're learning from, from the page and from the, the context that you're given, mm-hmm. how is that different in your process and how does it feel different? Yeah, as a writer, I have created not only the character, but the world that the character lives in. Mm. 
And as an actor, I now have to live in that world. Um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, how can I explain this? You know, in Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in Hercules, um, you have the, the three old women that, that work in Hades, that, that work with Hades, right? And, you know, they're um, playing out all of the, making sure that everything happens, right? Mm -hmm. That's supposed to happen. Now, granted, this is the evil version of it, okay? <laughs> I'm not playing the evil version of it, but I feel like I'm one of those old women as the writer. Mm. And then me, as the performer is Hercules, you know. That's awesome. Have you have you ventured into to directing other people? Um, no, I have not. Um, I can't say that I won't ever be interested in it. Mm -hmm. I just know right now it's not a focus, but it's definitely something that I do look forward to. Well, I, I look forward to. And so when you when you do your one woman show, will you have? A, a director work with you as, as another pair of eyes? Yes, 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 yes. So one of my professors from grad school, Hector Zavala, who is a um, multi-hyphenated trans-border artist. Mm. Um, he works in between California and uh, Mexico City. And um, he has definitely been um, a huge resource and just a guide, honestly, into the world of one-person shows. Um, I actually wrote my first one-person show, Backbone, um, under his guidance while I was at Academy of Art University. It was a new program that he spearheaded and took off, honestly. Mm -hmm. And so um, my last two semesters in grad school, I specifically worked with him and yeah, I got a lot of great reviews and even his bosses were really impressed with the work that he had done. And so I think it's gonna be one of the things that remains um, in the School of Acting at Academy of Art University. Tell us a little bit about Backbone, I'm intrigued. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so Backbone was basically, um, about the experiences my mother had had and a very toxic relationship that she was mm -hmm. in and how it affected me personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, specifically within relationships and how I view men. And so actually this one woman show is kind of like a continuation mm -hmm. of that. Um, you'll get to see how certain things played out for me in these relationships. <laughs> so, well, I, I love that. Do you know, do you have like an idea of where you might, where the show might happen? I definitely know that I will have a performance of it in Hattiesburg. Um, I would love to have a performance of it in Jackson. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm also talking to a few people who have you know great connects in california and um new york and chicago as well so hopefully i'll be able to do a small tour with it oh that's awesome 
So I know we don't have a ton of time left. So I have a couple of questions I really want to <laughs> want to get to. Uh, so okay. first of all, do you have a dream role that you are dying to play? A dream role that I am dying to play? Um, honestly, I would love to have a character created for me by the incredible Shonda Rhimes. I am a huge Ooh, Shonda Rhimes fan. I mean, I'm, I'm binge watching Grey's Anatomy right now. And I had already seen Scandal and um, I'd already seen, uh, what's the show with Viola Davis? Oh, uh, how to get away with murder. How to get how to get away with murder. I had already seen those, and so I was like, you know, I'm gonna watch Grey's Anatomy. I'm on season eleven right now. I actually started a month and a half ago, so that lets you know <laughs> what my time has been consumed with. Um, and then it's gonna be private uh, private practice, and then it's going to be Station Nineteen. Okay. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm a big fan a of hers too. So I hear yes. you. Yes. So if I could have a character created by Shonda Rhimes, that would be incredible. That's a great answer. That's like Mm -hmm. that. I mean, talk about a dream role. A dream role. Top tier. 10 out of 10. Five stars. Highly recommended. That is what I would want. And and not only does she write great characters and great stories, she writes strong women characters. Strong women characters who know what they want. And that's so important. It's mm-hmm. so important. I mean, from Olivia to Melly Grant and, you know, all the women who, you know, came in between and, oh, it Meredith Grey. It's just, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I know. And it's just, you just can't stop watching it. You just, you yeah. just can't. You can't. Oh, man. That's such a, that's such a great answer to that question. Yeah. Her shows uh, are just so binge worthy. Oh yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's, great storytelling mm-hmm. um i am so excited that your one woman show is coming up so you have to keep us posted yes and i i will gotta come see it gotta come see it and mm-hmm. i just want to thank you for being here today thanks for for sharing about your art with us and congratulations again on the fellowship thank you so much thank you so much for having me and i'm just so proud to be a mississippi arts commission fellow We are proud to have you. And thank you to our audience for listening to the Mississippi Arts Hour. Be sure to tune in each week for the Mississippi Arts Hour, a co-production of MPB, Think Radio, and the Mississippi Arts Commission. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners. So if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. The first question that we get when someone comes in is, how is the Ulysses S. Grant Presidential Library in Mississippi? Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We have every letter Grant ever wrote and every letter ever written to him. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast.